This is Matt Taylor. And this is Jay Rankin. And you're listening to The Flowcast. It's essential. Yes. So I haven't really caught up with you about this yet, but I did my um, DNS course a few weeks back. Have you heard about it before? What's that? DNS stand for? So DNS stands for dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. It's a fancy way to basically say um, coordination and control or stability of the body. Um, I'll give you a brief rundown on, on what it is and, and where it's come from. And then I'll talk to you about how it you know, pertains to breath and, and the importance of breath um, in, in both training and, and lifestyle. So uh, in short, basically what it takes is the, principles of developmental kinesiology which is um, fundamental motor development in infancy and the simplest way and i'll probably refer to this as we go on to talk about it is i like to think of it as our software development so if you think of the computer that might be in front of you or as you listen to this as the hardware as our bodies and then our brains as the softwares as the ios as the windows operating system that make that work what Dynamic neuromuscular stabilization is built around is it's built around that software that occurs in the first sort of 12 to 18 months of development and sort of what our body and what our brain is pre-programmed with um, from a nervous system perspective to develop correct movement patterns um, throughout development and life. Um, and so it came from the school of Prague um, in Europe and it sort of developed from Really interesting way they actually went about it was that um, during some of the um, communist times through the region, they they tell the story. They basically had all these great minds. They locked them up. They kept them safe, um, and they basically forced them to learn off each other. And um, gee, I, I really should remember the guy's name, but I'll put some stuff in there anyway that, that explains a little bit about who he is. Basically, what. Um, what they started to develop was, was they developed these fundamental links between um, motor pattern deficiencies in terms of people's uh, functional movements, both from a sports perspective and also from a discomfort or a pain related perspective and sort of related it back to optimal patterns and postures that are associated with developmental kinesiology and, and um, maturation from birth. Um, and then basically what they do is, is they take these postures and these positions that um, a different developmental phases and they use it as a treatment method to treat chronic pain issues and chronic movement dysfunction issues. So a really alternate way and a really fascinating way to sort of look at movement and rehabilitation. Cool. Yeah. So that, that's what it is in a nutshell. Um, and then how the breath comes into it is, is the breath is basically it, the simplest way to, to link the breath is it's really just about recalibration to the most efficient yeah. and effective way to uptake oxygen, both from um, an oxygen consumption perspective. So you're taking in nice, long, deep breaths, but also um, from a spine stabilization and a muscular stabilization perspective. So each position through the developmental process um, is designed to facilitate deep belly breaths that help create intra-abdominal pressure um, in a 360-degree uh, phase around, around the, the stomach. So imagine like you've got a, a waist belt on, 
it, all these patterns are linking to enhance someone's capacity to breathe in across the front lateral and posterior aspects of their um, of their torso region. So really cool couple of days, really eye opening and um, really thought provoking too. Um, so yeah. it's, it have you already thought of how you're going to in- implement this with some new clients? Yeah, I definitely have made it a interesting one because you know, as, um, as practitioners in the field and stuff and as sports scientists and stuff, we're quite aware of commonalities and links in terms of athlete development and best practice. And one of them being, you know, efficient breathing mechanics and stuff. And we've, we've talked about this a little bit in the past about box breathing and some of those things. Um, but having a fundamental framework of sort of best practice breathing and, and how it relates to movement and stuff has been really fascinating. So that was the main goal from it. And then in terms of how, how am I going to implement it? Well, it's a really great question because I remember it was about halfway through the second day. And to give you a bit of context, there's a couple of chiropractors, a couple of physios, a couple of exercise physiologists in the room. No one who's really down the more sports trainer side of things, but more the rehabilitation. But they're all looking at each other going, oh, this is great. I can see it happening. I can see the breath improving. I can see their posture improving but how am I going to deliver this in a client setting? Because these are quite challenging uh, environments to elicit change. You've really got to understand the body from head to toe and how to position it to create, um, you know, proper breath expansion in different areas. And then on top of that, you've got to educate the client or the patient to do it properly, not only in front of you in that time, but to then re-pattern it and re-ingrain it down the track. It was really quite challenging. They give you some really cool methods. So the one thing I really like about it is they do flows. So a little bit like a yoga structure. And what that does is it allows people to understand um, themselves and be, uh, improve their self-awareness of their breath in different positions. And they'll take you through different static and dynamic mobility-based movements that are basically focusing on maintaining your breathing control through creating intra-abdominal pressure as you breathe and then slowly making them more dynamic. And in those flow sessions, they'll break out from one month maturation all the way up to 15, 16 month maturation. And to give people context a little bit for what that looks like, well, if you think about a baby and their maturation um, across the timeline, that one month, they're generally face down on the floor. And so what we're doing there is more of your crocodile style breathing um, with the head down, breathing into your belly, feeling your belly expand into the ground and getting some posterior lift through the lower back. That's going to progress up onto the elbows. So now we start to open up a little bit through the thoracic region and still direct the breath nice and low. As that education improves, you roll over, you start doing some supine lying work, some supine leg raised work, and then it progresses to more of your bear and your crawl variations. And then the idea behind that is that as they're progressing through that, they're able to improve their awareness of their breath. So the flow sessions allow for individual self-awareness to improve, um, I guess, to personally, uh, personally facilitate their own sort of breathing deficiencies. And then for the ones that really need, you know, quite uh, chronic adjustments, that's when a one-on-one, um, probably a breath assessment needs to take place where you can do some simple assessment exercises to understand um, how proficient their breathing is and where you're going to target with that. So, in a nutshell, there's the option to sort of go down the flow base and, and try and go for uh, large group-based changes in terms of self-awareness. And then in more 
um, dire circumstances or more desperate circumstances with the right person, there's definitely capacity to uh, intertwine it with other rehabilitation-based approaches, both through movement, coordination-based, and then breath. Because I will say this as well, it's not all about the breath. I don't want people to think, you know, they're listening to this and we just turn into the breathing guys. It's, um, <laughs> it's just a part of it. It's just, um, it's definitely something to look at, but it's quite, it's quite incredible. Once you can teach someone to control their breath, how easy it takes movements. And, and a really good example, and people can try this if they understand the movement is the bird dogs, so you know, the bird dog, um, where you'll be on all four points and you'll extend your opposite arm, opposite leg. Um, and what we see most commonly is we see flexion extension in the lumbar spine. Um, what, what we want to try and do is we want to try and keep that integrity through the lumbar spine stacked as much as possible so it st stays nice and still and straight. And the easiest way to do this is to assess if someone can breathe properly. Uh, this is after, so you do some proper assessments, but to see if they get it, see if they're saying to understand rather than just saying, oh, yeah, I get it, Matt. I get it, Jay. Like, I know what you're talking about. What you can do is you set them up in the bird dog position and you get them to breathe in and, and breathing through your nose is going to help a lot from the start. So tongue on the roof of your mouth, breathe in through your nose and get them to extend as they breathe in. And what you should find is you should find that breath helps the expansion occur. And as that expansion occurs on the breath in, as they extend out, that creates a, um, a neutral support. So there's not that flexion extension happening through the spine region anymore. That breath in creates intra-abdominal pressure and acts as a stabilizer. And that's a really good way to see progression in the breathing as well to see if they're actually getting it um so a really good tool sort of play around and see see how that works but um it's a lot of fun mate it's a really cool way to go about things um and i think you know as we we're probably talking about earlier there's so much that we look at with breath now and it gets confusing to people um with things like the wim hof method and um parasympathetic approaches um in terms of winding down stress um, do I use it before workouts? Do I use it after? Do I use it before I go to bed? Do I use it when I wake up in the morning? In this circumstance, it's not really about those sorts of things. It's really just about it's a tool to help with um, movement. And um, basically, the simplest way to think about it is if we breathe 20 to 25,000 times a day and your breathing is inefficient, you're breathing heavy through your chest, you're really going to fatigue those respiratory based muscles in the thoracic region and the upper back region. If we can expand that in lower and you breathe more efficiently, you're going to increase your stabilization through your hips and through your core. And so a lot of those common nags and issues in terms of lower back pain, upper back tightness, all that sort of stuff, we're starting to see some really good positive results with that sort of being alleviated. And Stuart, Dr. Stuart McGill, the um, spine specialist from the States, talks about this really well. He talks about the bank account approach in back pain or, or lower back pain or, or um, chronic pain isn't necessarily a cause of a structural deficiency. In some cases it is, but it's usually the simplest way to think of it is like a bank account and that throughout the day, the bad movements that you place on your body are taking money out and they're your taxes. And then all the good work you do, whether it be breathing restoration, whether it be stretching, whether it be manipulation or manual therapy, that's putting money back in. And it's just about finding a balance and, and what I find with this DNS stuff is it's a really good, cheap, efficient way to give athletes and people with chronic back pain a way of putting dollars and cents back in their bank account. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a really cool, once you, once you can teach them, it's a really sort of cool way to get that into their um, sort of system. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think because it's something that's so easily accessible, that it's almost undervalued. We're yeah. so used to thinking that if you pay top dollar for something, that the quality and the um, efficacy of it is going to be so much more substantial, which is, you know, it is common um, a lot of the times with, um, with tangible, tangible objects and things that you buy and stuff. But having something like everyone can do this. And yeah. it's just a matter of just applying it and probably just applying it um, regularly and just creating that habitual change yeah. is where we'll see the results. Yeah. And so for you, what, like, uh, I guess probably going back more to the other tools of, of breathing, is there anything that you're using at the moment with, with your situations? Do you have any stories of sort of effective ways you're incorporating styles of breathing with training? Yeah, look, as I've mentioned in an earlier episode, breathing, um, I, I utilize breathing every single day as a, as a wind down and um, as that initiation for um, recovery. Yeah. I have been doing a little bit of research um, a little while ago now, but I've just been keeping up to date with it. There's a guy called Patrick McCowan and he's written a book um, and has a website called uh, Oxygen Advantage. Yeah. And he talks a lot about things um, to do with the breathing and its um, relationship. Actually, a lot of stuff to do with performance too. It would be worth you checking out, Matt. Yeah, um, awesome. And how things like just breathing through your mouth can um, affect things like your posture, like forward head posture. Um, and just how we sort of are losing that, that nasal, um, breathing ability. And that's just through, through habits and things that we've, um, that we've gathered for whatever reasons, but things, yeah, just things as simple as, or as significant as posture and forward head, which we know, um, are related to, is related to back pain and a lot of other chronic conditions, um, and can be just altered and, and and changed by something as simple as um, changing the way you breathe, which... Yeah, and it's crazy for people to comprehend, isn't it? Because it's sort of like, well, we keep learning, we keep finding more and more stuff. How can we make mistakes? So it's kind of just like, well, we just don't give it any value. Like, for me, the biggest issue I found is it's so hard to sit clients and um, athletes down and say, hey, look, we're just going to do some breathing because we need to just... We need to go back to some of these stuff that we just haven't been paying much attention to because, you know, like we said earlier, you do it 25,000 times a day it's 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 really important like we need to invest time in things we're not doing well and if it's something as simple as that well then it should be a simple fix but it's crazy how you can dial into some sort of tap into that sort of stuff and as you said from your perspective more a parasympathetic approach in terms of winding down and and helping people start the recovery process i mean that's sort of like as i said it's a bit different to how we're looking from a postural perspective but these are the fundamental things we're born with and, and as i was touching on with the dns stuff like if you think of it like a software and when you buy a computer, it's built in software, it has something and then you get creative with the softwares as you develop, you know, that's up to us. We're, we're supposed to get creative with our pursuit of movement proficiency beyond birth and beyond um, adolescent development and, and through our adult life. But we really have to understand, we need to make sure that there's no viruses and that there's no bugs in the system. Um, in the early days. And if there is, we're going to find out in the later days and we've got to go back. And if it means going back to some of that basic stuff to clear it out, well then so be it, you know, like if it's going to help, it's going to help. It's, it's kind of cool to see doing something so simple can have such a profound impact on people as well. It's, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. So do you have any um, resources or places that you would recommend someone if they were looking to figure out some of these exercises or um, the- some quick, 
shows or anything like that that you could recommend? Yeah, the, the best part to start is, well, it's, firstly, I would say if you're working with someone who's making you breathe at training or anything, if you're working with a PT or any coaches or anything and you're not getting it and they're not helping you, don't waste your time on it because if you're not going to do it properly, you shouldn't waste your time on it. If you've got someone who's helping you and you're noticing improvements with it, stick with them, keep listening to them, keep progressing with how they incorporate it into your training. For any coaches and stuff listening out there, you need to find out how to do this stuff because it is going to be an important part. Um, it's not, as I said, it's not the be all and end all, but you need to have it in. And if you're going to do that, um, there's plenty of research and literature and there's some instructional videos on the DNS website. Um, so if you just Google that or the prior school, you'll find some basic principles, approaches. And that's what I'm talking about. It's just having a basic principle approach. Um, Dr. Stuart McGill as well. If you Google him, he's going to talk quite clearly about the importance of intra-abdominal pressure. He does yeah, it slightly differently. Everything as well. All of his yeah. back related things are fantastic. Yeah. So he looks at it more from a movement perspective, which I absolutely agree with too. Um, and sort of indirectly targets the breath, whether it's the DNS stuff really targets the breath and adds the movement into it. It's not really one or the other. It's really case by case. Um, in terms of that for people listening as well, the best way to start is you need to feel physical feedback from the breath around the belly region. So the best way to start the first one I like is head down, hands underneath your head, breathing your belly into the ground so you can feel that feedback. I like that for anterior expansion, which is what you want to feel first. You want to feel your belly button rise and fall. The second one I like is a sideline one. So hug your knees into your chest, roll to your side. Or what you can do is you can keep your bottom leg straight. So imagine yourself lying down on your back, bring one knee into your chest, take that knee across your body. So that knee is now touching the ground. And then you're going to breathe in. You're going to feel lateral expansion on the bottom hip. That's a great way to feel the lateral expansion. And then the, the third one's a little bit funnier. People might be familiar with the dead bug position. So lying on your back, you're going to hug your knees into your chest and then you're going to lift your legs so they're quite vertical. It's really important to make sure your knee's slightly above your hip. So what you can feel is you can feel your quad almost touching your lower abdominal region. And same thing again, you're going to breathe in, feel that lower abdominal region into the quads. And what you should feel is you should feel your posterior section of your um, back press into the ground. So in those three breathing patterns, we feel the anterior expansion, the lateral expansion, and the posterior expansion. And I also recommend progressing in that order. So you do your anterior work first, get the feedback through that, control it. So try and add in some movement, see if you can raise an arm or a leg and still feel it. Same with the lateral expansion. Um, and then finally, the posterior expansion. Another good thing to do if you want to try this at home is to take a three breath method. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna lie, so you'd start, we'll start with the anterior breathing, so start facing head down, breathe in, hold, so you're not taking a full breath in, you're taking a, a fairly big breath in, holding it, without exhaling, you're gonna take another breath in, hold, you should feel more expansion, and then you're gonna take a third breath in, hold. That's a really good way to start to integrate the anterior, lateral, and posterior expansion occurring all the time. Once you do that, I'm talking, you know, five or 10 minutes a day, twice a day. Once you add that in, you're going to become so much more aware throughout the day. So that's a really good starting point. As I said, the DNS website um, and the Stuart McGill stuff is really good. Don't overdo it. Just try and find ways to integrate it, make it appropriate. Um, and then I guess good luck. Good luck with it. And hopefully um, if you have any back pain or issues or you have movement deficiencies, 
Um, if you play a sport, if you run certain times, don't change too much. Add this in. See if you're running quicker. If you do a 2 or 3K time, see if you're taking any time off it. If your breathing's more efficient, your oxygen uptake's better. Um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to find out. Cool. I think that's, um, that's all I really wanted to go over with it. Was there anything else you wanted to go over with? No, no. Um, I think we um, covered a few things. If we're looking, I just wanted to say, check out the Oxygen Advantage um, yep. website or book. And um, someone who's got a few good um, videos and info, just about things like what you were explaining, just learning that belly breathing, that deep breathing. Um, Paul Check is very well versed in those things. Yeah. Awesome. Um, an old teacher of those ways too. So, um, no. Easy, mate. Good one. I think we'll probably build on this later. We'll probably delve into some of the other restorative perspectives perspectives, and the um, recovery perspectives as well. Cool. Awesome, Matt.